A listener told me a funny story the other day. He had bought one of those fancy new exercise bikes, and for him, it was without a doubt a very special tool to help him get healthier. But the problem was three days went by, and then four, and he'd yet to use the bike. And then on night five, he's sitting at the kitchen table, and he looks down at himself, and he couldn't help but just laugh because there he was wearing the exercise T-shirt that came with the bike, and he was eating two corn dogs. Hi, it's Doug Hastings with Moody Radio, and I think we'd all agree having a special tool only matters if we use it to our benefit. And I'd love for you guys to learn about my friends at United Faith Mortgage, a very unique faith-focused mortgage team with an advantageous tool just for you. You see, United Faith Mortgage is an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means they get to use their own money and make their own decisions. There's no middleman, and often this advantage allows them to get you a better rate on your refinance or your new home purchase, which can save you monthly and lifelong money. So I'd encourage you, check them out, United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp., 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. Hey, we're live. Ed Stetzer live, actually. We're live coast to coast and having, as we always do, important conversations about the moment we're in and the mission that we are on. And sometimes those conversations cover a wide range of topics. And so, as always, I want to even encourage you at the top of the show, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, to uh, you know listen to what we're talking about on a week-to-week basis. And uh, maybe right now, Saturday morning, you're listening, or Saturday noon, you're listening, depending on what time zone you're in. But you might want to say, well, hey, you know, I, I don't want to miss, you know, I want to miss prior shows. I don't want you to miss prior shows. And so make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow along with us. In just the last few weeks, last week we had uh, Christine Kane on for that uh, MOPS President Emerita Lisa Morgan. Uh, you know, before that, JT English talking about making disciples. And uh, just on and on. We, we recently talked to Lincoln University. Uh, President Silas McCormick uh, about issues young people are facing. Dr. Jerry Chapman before that. That's just May. So I won't, and you know, we know what Dr. Gary Chapman talked about, love languages. So, and his life story. So all of those you can get at edstetzerlive.com. Also at edstetzerlive.com, that will uh, give you an option to subscribe to the podcast. Listen to really all of the Moody radio programs that you might find helpful uh, day-to-day and week-to-week. So we're super excited today to have two guests on the program that uh, I've known one for a long time. Uh, he might not know the last time we were in a room together, but I'll talk about that in just a in just a bit. But what we're going to be talking about today is the importance of uh, spiritual conversations, uh, how they matter, why we have them, and more. And we'll walk through that together and just kind of get a picture of what we're talking about. Now, let me remind you, too, if you are concerned about that, if you want to be sure that your life is marked by being the kind of follower of Jesus who shares Christ with others, who begins spiritual conversations with others, all of that deeply matters. If it matters to you, I want to encourage you to uh, listen in and maybe share someone else, maybe text someone else and say, hey, we're going to be talking about this today. So let's talk a little bit about our planned discussion today. Um, first, we're going to have two guests, and uh, the, these guests have written a book together called The Practical Art 
of spiritual conversations, the practical art of spiritual conversations. And we'll talk some through this about what that means, about listening, about more um, and more. And let me just say, too, you may be... um, you, you may be someone who's uh, an introvert. I can't imagine having a conversation like that. You might be someone who's an extrovert who might say, well, how can I do that without being o- overbearing? And those are the kind of conversations we're going to have today. And our guests are uh, David Rogers. He's a spiritual health advisor at Christ Community Health Center in, Ser- Health Services in Memphis, Tennessee, 18 years as a career missionary in Spain, serving as a church planner, pastor, and church planning trainer with the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's also a serves as an elder of Unashamed Church in Memphis. And I actually think we've probably been in, in the same big room more than that. But the room that I remember us both being in together was actually his at his father's funeral, Adrian Rogers' funeral, where um, as the kids spoke, I wept and cried uh, like a baby, like so many other did others did honoring uh, David's David's father. So, and also Jim Schultz, uh, James Schultz, is a preacher, teacher at heart, having trained leaders and pastors. Lectured to undergrad and graduate students in areas like discipleship, spiritual formation, philosophy, theology, apologetics. He also serves as a church, as a spiritual chief spiritual health officer at Christ Community Health Services, a nonprofit healthcare ministry for the poor and underserved in Memphis. So let me say both to you, welcome uh, to the program. We are so glad that you are here. Let's just jump into some of the conversation about the book. And let me just mention, too, we're going to give away some copies of the book. Now, when we say give away, my wonderful staff tells me, you know, people call up and say, I'd like to be caller number four and get a copy of the book. That's not quite how we do it. But if you have a great comment or a question, we'd love to give a copy of The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations to some callers today. And so that gives us an, a, a wonderful opportunity, I think, to share that as as well. And so we'll do that in just a moment. We're going to jump into our conversations and kind of kind of walk through what might be a key question for a lot of people is how do we have such conversations? Now, again, the subtitle of the book is Learning the Whens of Evangelism and the How of Discipleship. Love the title. Let's jump in with David. David, uh, what's the goal of a spiritual conversation and how should we approach one? Okay, so great to connect with you again, Ed. I would say the goal of a spiritual conversation is always to move the person we are speaking with one step further along in their relationship with Christ, or if they've never come to truly have a relationship to Christ, to move them one step closer towards having that relationship with Christ. And spiritual conversations are just like any other conversations. We do them best if we're natural with the other person, if we learn the art of truly listening and respecting the people we're we're talking with. So that's just a broad overview. Then you know we'll have to unpack a lot of the details of that as we move on in our conversation. Yeah, for sure. And David, I you know, having served a missionary in Spain and we have some mutual friends who uh serve there, I mean they they tell me that so much of missions work in Spain is just that a long relationship. It's some might say it's a it's a hard soil mission field. Um, it's not like you know planting churches that grow to thousands and plant other churches. And so, I mean, as you kind of walk through the book, did your impact of being in a, a hard soil mission field for such a long time and seeing the longevity it takes did that impact the writing of it, or is it different in the context for you or where you were writing? 
For me personally, it definitely impacted the writing of it. I'm coming to see more and more the context in which we lived and served in Spain, which we've been back here in the States for 12 years now. It's very, I would say, in a spiritual sense, as far as like spiritual receptivity and the just the how fertile the soil is for the gospel and spiritual conversations. They're maybe 20, 25 years ahead or further down a secular path than we are here in the States. And so being in Spain during that time really prepared me you know, for this context here that we're living in in the States right now. And I think a lot of the principles I learned over there have very, very much been useful for the ministry that that uh, Jim and I are involved in right here in Memphis, Tennessee right now. Yeah, and it sounds like a fascinating ministry, too. Jim, let's go to you, and you say that rather than training for how to present the gospel, you know, something we're really, you know, I work at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. It's very central to what we do. But you kind of want to give people and give people a framework for discerning where someone is spiritually that they can meaningfully, you know, what they can meaningfully do or where they can meaningfully go in a conversation. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, great to great to meet you by phone, Ed. Uh, really respect um, all of the many things that you do. So thanks for having us on. Thanks. Um, yeah, so we live we live in the South in the in the buckle of the Bible Belt, and nearly anybody you talk to here is going to say that they're a Christian, and they're gonna they're gonna tell you, you know, even be able to tell you where they go to church. So as a as a missionary trying to contextualize the gospel in the bible belt becomes really challenging you know you're you're trying to figure out does this person really have a relationship with jesus do they you know what does that look like for them and so it takes a lot of listening it takes a lot of asking good questions and and having sort of a a genuine spiritual curiosity uh, about the person um before we can meaningfully help anybody move further along. And so that's, that's the heart behind what we're trying to do is say, Hey, what, what does it look like to really listen? And what is it that I'm looking for? What is it? What types of questions should I be asking? When, when do I need to lean more into the conversation or when do I need to maybe have more of a discipleship type conversation because the person's already a believer. I remember when I was a college student, I got set on fire with the gospel and was just so excited to share with anybody. And so I'd go around on my college campus, ready to tell everybody about Jesus and I didn't bother to find out whether they knew Jesus or not. And so, you know, sometimes I'd find myself sharing the gospel with somebody who already believed. Uh, and it was right. because in my eagerness, I didn't, I didn't take the time to listen and get to know that person first. Interesting. And that's a key part of the conversation in the book is, uh, is, is the art of when and if and how to engage in spiritual conversations. And you say, about, you say often that the whens and ifs inform the how. And so, Jim, I want you to kind of unpack that a little bit as well. Uh, when, when you say the whens and ifs inform the how, help us understand what you mean. Sure. Well, you know, I, the, the example I just talked about was simply that, you know, if someone's already a Christian, then perhaps sharing the gospel would be inappropriate. Now, some, some Christians need to hear the gospel again. We, you know, I have to preach it to myself every single day and remind myself. So it's not off the table, but if I'm looking for them to have a response um, to accept Jesus as their Savior and begin a relationship with Him, well, they, they may already feel like they have that, or they may feel disrespected if I don't, you know, learn and listen about them before I come 
crashing in with my with my canned presentation, which I've done many times. But there's there's also another side of this in that if if someone is really struggling with a, a trauma or a difficult thing in their life, it, it may not be an appropriate time to, to share the gospel. We're in a healthcare context where we're seeing people, you know, who are, who are coming to the doctor. So uh, one of the questions we had to ask is, well, should we take on sort of a chaplain type role? And chaplain training for the most part is a non-directive type of approach where you just listen to the person. And so if the person presents as Muslim, then, then you interact with that person from a Muslim perspective. Well, for us, we thought, well, no, we, we want to be centered on Jesus. We, we believe that, you know, true spirituality is about Jesus Christ. And so that, that's not appropriate for our context. But at the same time, there is something to the fact that if someone is going through a difficult trauma, that, that may not be the time that the noise of that trauma may be so loud in their in their ears in their mind in their heart that they they wouldn't be able to hear what we're sharing anyway and so that's where we want to connect with the person where they are empathize with them and and help them um be comforted you know one of the things that i think is true of a lot of americans is that if they're going through a difficult time they think that god's distant from them that somehow a relationship with god is supposed to take all their troubles away which of course we know is not true but so what we can do as we're serving as, you know, the hands and feet of Jesus and meeting that person is to remind them, no, God hasn't left you. He, has, he, he hasn't abandoned you. In fact, he promises he'll be with you and you can invite him into this trauma with you. And that becomes sort of that first step towards Jesus for them. So it, it looks a little bit different than a canned approach to the gospel. But at the same time, I think that is one of the best things that um, we can do with someone in that time. Fascinating and an important conversation we're having. I want to invite you to join us as well. Maybe you have questions about how to start a spiritual conversation with your kids. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe someone in a distressed situation. That's a key part of the book. 877-548-3675. Our phone lines are open. Give us a call here at Ed Stetzer Live. 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation uh, about this new book, about these practical art of spiritual conversations with your calls in just a moment. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. We're having a good, helpful conversation today. We've got two guests with us, Jim Schultz and uh, David Rogers. They've got a new book, The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations, which I love. As many of you know, I lead the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. We have a super passion about showing and sharing the love of Jesus. And so as often as we can, when we get a good resource like this, we want to have the author's Come on and have this conversation. This book just came out in March, and so it's it's a new resource for us to have some important conversations around. We also have some copies of it that we're going to be sharing uh, with some of our callers, some of our best callers of the day. We want you to um, engage in this conversation because we think, again, spiritual conversations are key and helpful. Um, I, I do wonder, you know, from, from both of you, we can start with David. I mean, you were writing this during the uh, pandemic, just because timing has to line up because you're in the pandemic time, um, came out in March 2021. So I I have a, as a practice of a spiritual discipline, I seek, I ask the Lord, and I intentionally work towards sharing the gospel, not inviting the church, but sharing the gospel with one person 
per week. David, I, something I was encouraged and inspired by from Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, Report Hour, which is they would expect students and faculty to have shared the gospel with somebody once a week. And that expectation builds that intentionality. So, and I will tell you, I had really for years been very much in that rhythm, had the privilege of leading neighbors to Christ, uh, strangers to Christ, uh, though the pandemic made that prayer and goal very, very difficult because, you know, our, our context was sort of limited down. I wonder how, of course, you're writing a book that transcends the pandemic, but I wonder how writing this during the pandemic, David, how that impacted some of your thoughts and ideas as you wrote it. Yeah, actually, I mean, we've been working on the book for a couple of years, so a lot of the basic right. thoughts went into the book before the pandemic came up, and it was based largely on our experience in the yeah. clinic of talking to patients one-on-one. -on -one. Like, for instance, in my job, I typically speak to about a dozen to 15 patients per day while they're in the waiting room waiting to see the doctor and have a spiritual conversation with them. And during the pandemic, I was uh, sent home and have <laughs> been, huh. been uh, working uh, at home now for the last five months or so. I've been back in the clinic and been able to jump right into those conversations, but it really did cramp uh, my style. I mean, one thing that I've learned through whether before the pandemic, during the pandemic, in any situation is to relax a little bit of the pressure that you have to share a full-blown gospel presentation from the big, very beginning point to asking someone, are you ready to commit to Christ right now in every conversation or at least once every so-and-so many days, and to transition into thinking more every single conversation I have wherever I am, how much time I have, the person I'm speaking with, I can move that person one step, even if it be a very small step further along in their pilgrimage, you know, towards Christ. It may be someone who has never even heard of Jesus, and I may be able to introduce to them the topic that God sent his son Jesus, and that's all there, all there is time for. But I've moved them that one step to, you know, or it may be somebody who has heard a whole lot about Jesus, but gotten a very bad taste in their mouth from people who've tried to pressure or coerce them in one way or another about religion, shove it down their throats, and I'm able to treat them in a way with respect that will make them more open, perhaps the next time someone else comes to talk with them. So the approach we're presenting is you know, each different conversation, each different individual is unique, and you have to adapt according to the situation, and don't be in such a hurry to, you know, unload the whole nine yards of the gospel in one, you know, 15 or 30-minute presentation, but take advantage of each small opportunity you have to move people just one step or, you know, several steps as the opportunity presents itself, and listening, be sensitive to what they're telling you and what the Holy Spirit is telling you in each individual conversation. Fascinating and so helpful to, the book was so helpful to help people sort of understand, I think, from your unique perspective, but that unique perspective, I mean, you don't have to be working in a healthcare facility to get or engage in this. You're helping people to think through how best to 
be see the sharing of the gospel as a process, as a journey, and more. And again, people may have questions about this and talk about how they might want to apply this in their own lives. Uh, there, a number to call to join us live on the air is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, that's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Jim. Um, I love the way you locate evangelism in the broader context of discipleship. Uh, I wrote years ago in a book called Breaking the Missional Code, I wrote uh, that evangelism is a discipleship exercise. I mean, we think of discipleship largely because of the influence of uh, Billy Graham, and we think of discipleship as the thing that follows conversion. But historically, 2,000 years the church had and Dawson Trotman's influence as well. So Billy Graham partnered with Dawson Trotman. So Billy Graham did the evangelism. Dawson Trotman did the discipleship afterwards. And so we hmm. kind of put those in sequential order. However, disciple making or discipleship is each step when you grow closer to the Lord. And so when I see someone being evangelized, they're being, well, Jesus told us to go and make disciples. So when we define disciple making as that, which you seem to point to, in the book. So again, how do we locate evangelism in the broader context of discipleship, whether a staunch atheist or a seasoned believer? Where does it fit? Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Uh, so one of the one of the things that resources that we drew on for the book is the Ingle scale. So if listeners aren't familiar with that, no worries. But uh, if you are, you kind of get an idea. But the the idea essentially is that every single person is on a spectrum in terms of their relationship with Christ. Even the staunch atheist is on is somewhere in relationship to Jesus. So w- what we're trying to do is say, okay, well, where is this person? How do we discern that? Which is what the book is trying to help to do. And then what? how, how can I help that person just move a little bit closer? So I had, a, I had an atheist friend that I had developed a, a good relationship with, and uh, we, we met for several weeks. And by the end of those weeks, uh, he acknowledged that he was an agnostic. Now, for someone who's so passionate about sharing the gospel, they can't think maybe more broadly the, in terms of discipleship, they might have been disappointed. I looked at that as a win because that's that's a step closer. It's not where I long for this person to be, but it is movement. It went from there's no way that uh, God exists to, gosh, I, maybe, I, maybe I don't know. And so there, there's movement. Uh, I have a person that I have been meeting with for about two years who, uh, when they came to me, they were an outspoken atheist, and now they're they're walking with Jesus. It didn't happen overnight. We had to walk step by step as they, they move closer to Jesus, but they've now accepted Christ. So I, as I have sort of a sense of where is this person as they describe themselves, and as I have this framework that we're trying to offer in the book and also with the Ingle scale, we can kind of most helpfully take help someone take that next step, whatever that step may be. Well, it's the same is true in discipleship. If someone is already a believer, that's not the end of the story. There's much more that uh, the Lord desires for us and wants to see for us as we, as we live our lives fully in the gospel, to give our lives away to being fully living in Him. And so we think about that, and one of those things is to be a person who shares their faith, right? So that's part of someone's discipleship. So if I meet a Christian who's not actively sharing their faith, I want to I, I want to encourage them that, hey, this is one of the ways that you're going to actually meet Jesus, right? That's what he tells us is that he says, go and make disciples of all nations. Lo, I am with you always. So if you want to be with Jesus, one of the places you're going to meet him is in evangelism. You will grow closer to Jesus by nature of doing 
evangelism. And so that's part of the discipleship process too. Yeah, I love that. I think people don't necessarily realize that, engage in that. Again, let me tell you one more time, our phone number is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877. I did say I was going to say one more time, but I always repeat it twice when I say that. 877-548-3675. Let's go to Gina in Chicago. Gina, you're live on the air. Hi, uh, what a timely book. I am a person who prays for my community and, and asks the Lord to give me people to reach out to. Um, I encourage people a lot, and I share that this is the day the Lord has made and stuff, but I don't get too very far. Um, I know prayer is the first step, but I'm looking forward to this framework because I am at an age now going to be 64 where I want to completely throw myself into saving the lost and encouraging those who are in Christ. So, yeah, so I, I love, I love really the framework of that. So you kind of, so asking kind of how to take those next steps, like from that correct. context of praying for and okay, very super helpful. Well, first, Gina, if you'll stay on the line, we want to give you a copy after you hear the answer uh, from our guest. Our producer will jump on the line and give you a copy of the book, The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversation. So, David, let's go to you. I mean, Gina's asking, all right, I'm praying for people. I'm giving a good word to people, an encouraging word to people. How do I take that next step and that spiritual journey? I love, first of all, the approach, the attitude that I sense in Gina, and she's coming at it exactly where we would advise coming at it, that she's already praying. She has a heart for the people in her community. She's wanting to share a good word, an encouraging word with them. This is the day the Lord has made. Keep on doing all those things. If you want to bring it to the next step, the next step that I would uh, that I would recommend is come up with some good questions to follow up when you're in a conversation to draw people out to help people begin to talk to you and about what are the issues they're dealing with, what may be some of the obstacles that are keeping them from faith. Like one question that I ask almost every conversation with patients when I'm in the clinic at after I don't ask it right off the bat, but I, after I've broken the ice with them and just showed an interest in them is, you know, how important of a role does faith and spirituality or spiritual values play in your life? And it's kind of an open-ended question. Intentionally, I don't define exactly what I mean by faith and spirituality, because I know different people have different understandings, and I want to hear them tell me from their perspective, what it means to them. But that, that's the next step. You know, and in the book, you know, we walk kind of through where you go step through step by it. But the next key step is to learn some good questions to draw people out and help them begin to talk about their own uh, experiences, their own feelings towards faith and religion before you jump in with canned gospel presentation. Love it. A lot of key part of this is empathy and listening. We're going to continue our conversation with your calls, 877-548-3675, as we're talking about the book, The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. Hey, 
Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. We're taking your calls. Actually, lots of folks on the line, so we're going to jump into there in just a moment, which tells us a topic of interest to people. You can still give us a call. We're talking about the art of spiritual conversations and the practical art of spiritual conversations. Um, 877-548-3675 is our number. We're going to go to Leesburg, Florida. Fun fact, my parents live in that town, and I almost moved to Leesburg, Florida. Well, it's not true. I was talking to a possibly church about pastoring in Leesburg, Florida years ago. Love Leesburg, Florida. And brother went to high school there. Probably more information people need. But Rick, you're live on the line. What's your comment or question for our guests? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was wondering, uh, well, I've got a son that uh, thinks he's an atheist now. He was raised in the faith, but he went to a liberal university and came out thinking he's an atheist. Uh, However, Mm. I've just kind of basically given him to the Lord and let the Lord deal with it, uh, because I have a difficult time talking to him directly myself. Uh, The other thing that that I have uh, a lot of faith in is the fact that being a liberal, he has a very conservative viewpoint and he has a very loving open heart and he's got a wonderful wife and a little girl that they just had last October and uh, I'm just kind of depending on the Lord to deal with that but if I could get some uh, tips on possibly being able to work with him but also uh, I I have some other cultures around me some Hispanic people that are just wonderful people how do I approach them from a, a different culture and help them to move a little bit closer Love it. Rick, good call. If you'll hold on the line, Karen's going to jump on the line after. I'm going to have David and Jim both kind of weigh in on this uh, with different parts of the question, and then she'll jump on the line and give you a copy of the Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. Jim, if you wouldn't mind taking the first part, talking about his, uh, you know, building this bridge and relationship with his son, who describes himself as an atheist, what might be some suggestions? Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear what David would have to say, because I know David uh, would have lots of really incredible thoughts for this, but um, yeah, I, I think the, the big encouragement, I would say, is to um, really consider uh, what it is about this conversation that you, you feel like you can't have it with them. You know, what are those emotional things for you? And, and to see if you can get a place, to a place of intellectual curiosity where you can walk with them through these questions. Um, I did uh, my doctorate in apologetics. Uh, primarily because I had questions that I really, you know, was still kind of working through and wanting to answer. And I, and I think that these types of intellectual questions are best done when um, we're sort of sojourners together, um, trying to think this through. That the, Those questions need not be dangerous because Jesus tells us that he's the truth. And so we're, we're going to find Jesus as we honestly and openly seek truth. But I think that it might be an opportunity just to ask some genuine questions. And, and, you know, if you don't know the answer to the question, that's okay. You don't have to know the answer to the question. But sometimes people maybe move towards atheism for other reasons uh, than intellectual. And so, you know, there, there is a sense in which you need to consider, well, what is it, what, what type of doubting is this or what type of skepticism uh, is this? But, again, I'd, I'd be curious to hear uh, some of David's thoughts on, on these things as well. I like how you take over the show, Jim. I appreciate that. So, I'm <laughs> so sorry we're going to get to David. That. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. So let me encourage you the as well. Let me encourage our caller as well to pick up. Uh, Tim Keller is the skeptical student. Depending on his age, might be helpful as well. So, all right. So, but David, he also asked about engaging cross culturally is what we would say. You know, you've got a, you've got a PhD in missions. You served in a in a, in a Spanish speaking context. You know, he mentioned specifically his Latino neighbors. What would you suggest how he might engage there? 
Right. Uh, Chapter 6 in our book is entitled Obstacles to the Gospel and Receptivity. And uh, a big part about listening to other people is we are trying to determine, to assess what are the particular obstacles that are keeping them from taking that one step closer to Christ. And, you know, are they uh, Jimmy Scroggins uh, in his book uh, talks about three, there's green light situations, yellow light situations, and red light situations. And so we're trying to determine, is this person a green light? They're, they're very open and want to hear what I have to share, or a yellow light, or someone, you know what, they just don't want to hear it, and now is not the time to try to force that barrier down and cram it through their throats. But uh, the four typical type of obstacles that we mention in the book are intellectual obstacles, which it sounds like Rick's son is dealing with, emotional obstacles, cultural obstacles, which speaks specifically to the question about Rick's Hispanic neighbors, and then spiritual obstacles. And the truth of the matter, most people, you know, it's some combination, any combination of any of the four, a lot of people will come to you and they'll openly talk about intellectual obstacles. But if you really listen carefully and begin to dig a little more, you know, you may sense what's really going on here are some emotional obstacles. Somebody has wounded them or hurt them in the past and they're putting up a smoke screen to, you know, to kind of excuse their bitterness and their wounds of the past. And I, I found almost always at the bottom of Anybody who is resistant to the gospel is the fourth category, spiritual gospels. Mm. The Bible tells us that the, the God, little g God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they can't believe. But uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Acts that uh, God has given us the power to open blinded eyes. And you know we do that by spiritual warfare, by, by prayer, by openly proclaiming the gospel, and sometimes it takes a lot of patience. We do it by showing love, by serving other other people. So um, the answer is, is complex, and sure, each sure. individual situation is going to have its own special nuances. But in some broad strokes, those are the answers I would give to, to Rick. And those are great answers. I love it. And and here's the thing, Jim. One of the things I'm fascinated by what you and David do, and such great work. You know, you. You know, serving this healthcare context, uh, and tell us a little bit about the experience practicing through tens of thousands of conversations in primary care healthcare context. Uh, I, I think it, it talks about 2019. A team of six people had 12,867 spiritual encounters, shared the gospel 1,320 times, referred 845 people to local churches, saw 79 recommit to Christ and 75 accept Christ. That's amazing, and I don't think people are as aware of the really the the wonderful ministry that's going on there. So tell us a little bit about the experience and how that kind of shaped and informed the book. Just to remind everybody, uh, the book is called The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. If I didn't mention a minute ago that, Rick, we're going to jump on the phone and give you a copy. Oh, they're already on the phone with you. So great. We're giving him a copy of, of the book, The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. But Jim, kind of tell us about this experience and this ministry and how it shaped the book. Yeah, so Christ Community Health Services is really designed for those who maybe can't get uh, access to health care or maybe don't have insurance and just don't know where to go. And, and so we're there to take anybody, you know, regardless of, of 
their background or anything at all. Uh, but it was founded as a healthcare ministry with the heart to share the gospel through the platform of healthcare, uh, primary care context. Um, and so when I came in, one of the, the things that I, we really had to think about is, you know, we take everybody, so we're going to see people from all kinds of backgrounds. So how can we do that in a way that's going to be sensitive and permission-based? You know, we, we cannot force this on people. people they're, they're there to see their doctor, right? And so how, how do we discern whether someone like David was talking about is receptive to having that conversation? You know, so for us, if someone doesn't seem like they want to have the conversation, you know, we take Jesus's cue to shake the dust off our feet and move on. We assure them they're going to get great health care. You know, we're still going to give them everything that they're looking for. Uh, but we, we move to a different conversation than that. And then, uh, but also we, because it's a primary care context, we, we've got to move through uh, the room fairly quickly. And so the the framework that we offer the visual framework which i think is probably the most helpful part of the book is the is the sort of flow chart for how to have a conversation that we're offering helps you get to the heart of the matter quickly um and and to be able to discern very very quickly um which i think is important because if if the conversation becomes too long and drawn out it, it kind of has a weight to it that may make someone uncomfortable but if we can if we can quickly get to the issue and, and ask some good questions and, and learn where they are, then then we quickly determine what it is that is going to be most helpful for this person. So really, I think the primary con- care context has really helped us to uh, think about what is this? What would this look like just in, in normal conversation? I think it's it, it applies exactly anybody I meet on the street or uh, if I want to just have a moment with a friend and, and find out where they are spiritually, I think this, this really does uh, apply there very well and helps me get to that, that moment quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's super helpful. And that's one reason why you have that on the show. And I love the practical nature of, well, again, the title of the book is The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. Find that super helpful. But your comment does lead us to a call. I think uh, let's go to Carol in Sarasota, Florida, the other side of Florida. Carol, uh, you're live on the air. <laughs> Yes, I am. Okay, can go ahead, you hear Carol, me? with your question or comment. Yes, I can. Go ahead. Yes. Um, I have a, a son, a family member, who has a 30-year diagnosis with schizophrenia. I believe he's born again, but he's very um, hard to express his thoughts. But he goes in and out of some what, what I call... Uh, thinking, thinking about God and that God's mean. And um, he, I kind of evangelize everybody I know, him also, that Jesus paid it all. But he can't seem to grasp that God's for him. Um, And he's low-paying. He cannot uh, afford private, nor will he go. And have talk sessions. Um, So we, uh, uh, the Lord's kind of indicating maybe uh, a prayer and fast for his father and I, and even him, he's willing to do um, a light dinner tonight and um, some prayer time. So um, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard um, yeah, I mean, I I believe I believe he's saved, but yeah. Well, let's 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 see he, if our guest can maybe give us some good 
good guidance and counsel um, on that. If you're okay with that, Carol, thanks for thanks for calling. And, and uh, so, what do you? How do you walk through? And Carol, if you'll stay in the line, we want to give you a copy of of the book, the um, the uh, practical art of spiritual conversations. David, I mean, how do you walk through? Here's a health situation, a mental health situation. It's complex, and I imagine that there are hundreds upon hundreds of complex medical situations in a situation like this. So what advice would you give for Carol as she walks through this relationship and really desires to kind of see where this might go spiritually? I know when I'm talking to patients in the clinic, you know, a lot of times I'll see their diagnosis before I go in. And I've talked to a number of patients who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and I try to make a special point when I talk to them to respect them and listen to them just like I would anyone else. And so I want to make sure that, that they don't feel in any way you know, discriminated against or that I expect something less from them than I would from someone else in the conversation. And uh, I found just the Word of God has power. And so you need to learn to listen to what they're saying and then just to apply specific scripture verses or principles from the Word of God to you know, thoughts, destructive thoughts or untrue thoughts they may be having. A lot of times, you know, they're not seeing professional help, not seeing, you know, we call them the behavioral health consultants at Christ Community, but, you know, most of our behavioral health consultants have a professional degree in psychology, and you know, we recommend that, you know, even, you know, you believe the ultimate help is from Jesus and the Bible and spiritual principle that, Professional help is also helpful. So a lot of times I will refer patients to the to our behavioral health specialist. But it's the important thing is listening to people, making them feel valued, and then just praying. I love what Carol says. You know that her and her husband have practiced just to pray together and do spiritual war, warfare on behalf of her son. That that would be probably the most important thing they they can be doing it sounds like they are doing right now yeah i think i think for sure and i think working together with uh medical professionals has been key uh, and I think even with the case of Dave and Jim, they're actually working in that kind of context. We're going to continue our conversation with your calls. Last segment, 877-548-3675. We're talking to Jim Schultz and David Rogers. Their book is The Practical Art of Spiritual Conversation. And we're having a super practical conversation. Again, your calls. Last segment, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live. Got two guests on the show today, David Rogers and Jim Schultz. We're talking about their book, The Art of the Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. And they've both been working in a healthcare setting where they're really years of experience and thousands upon thousands of engagements have shaped the book, their ideas, and how we might learn from them today. We're taking your calls. We've got time to get just a few more calls in. Deanna in California, I'm guessing listening on K-Wave. Deanna, you're live on the air. Go ahead. Hi, how are you? Good. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah, go ahead with your question or comment. We only got a few minutes. Okay. Um, I'm 70 years old, and I don't get out much. I live in a house. I'm not in a community. 
and the few people that I come encounter with in the store, what would be a good way to to approach, you know, when you're talking with somebody, how do you get the conversation to go that way? I'll get it there. Great question, Deanna. Hang on the line, too, because we're going to give you a copy of the book. Let's go to David. I mean, David, one of the things, too, I think is fascinating about you. I mentioned at the beginning that your father was, of course, Adrian Rogers. Um, and people might say, well, just preach it to them. Just, just you know, because your dad was a great preacher. Um, so when you start having those conversations, do you just preach it to them? Or how do you get there, as Deanna's asking? You've got to discern the particular situation. Are you taking away from their time that they need to be given to the work or there are other customers in line in front of you and you're getting them upset while you're engaging in conversation? So all of those factors come into play. But you, know, you just say some small word, some small comment, you know, say, have a blessed day or isn't hasn't God been good today or just something like that to plant little seeds. And and then, you know, whenever you do have time to get more in depth, you, you do that. But I mean, realistically, we all have situations like that and, and we make the best use of it by by just saying, saying small things that, that maybe is not going to bring them all the way to the point of, you know, getting on their knees and asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior while we're, you know, in line to pay the sales but may just plant a small seed, a, a thought in their mind that may move them one step closer and lower some type of barrier or obstacle they have. And the next person who comes along that may have a little more time to share with them will be able to pick up where, where you left off with them. Love that. Well, sometimes we're planting seeds. Sometimes we're seeing the harvest. Would it, it's different in different contexts. Deanna, if you're hopefully hanging the line, I see that you still are. Karen's going to jump on the line with you, our producer, and give you a copy of the Practical Art of Spiritual Conversations. I think we've given all of them away with that as as well. But anyway, uh, let's let's try to squeeze in one more call, but we do need to do it relatively quickly. Rose, you are live on the air from Illinois. Go ahead. Hi. So in a spiritual conversation, what are some questions you would use to discern whether a person is truly a believer when they claim to be? Great question. Again, stay on the line, too. If we have one, if we have one more, Burke, we're going to give it to you, Rose. But what do you think? Uh, let's go to Jim on that. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll, in the beginning, we're really seeking to discern. So David talked about asking kind of that general question of, you know, do you, do you have a faith that's important to you? Uh, we might ask them, you know, to describe a little bit about what that looks like. You know, well, how, how is it that you express your faith? Um, have you thought about a personal relationship with Jesus? What what does that what does your personal relationship with Jesus look like? What are some ways you cultivate or grow your faith? You know, as you ask some of these questions, you begin to get a, a pretty good sense of where somebody's at. And if they seem receptive to the conversation and have time, you can just kind of keep leaning into it. And so, you know, uh, Francis Schaeffer was once asked, if you had an hour to share the gospel with somebody, you know, what would you do? And he said, I'd spend 55 minutes uh, asking questions and listening to their story and five minutes applying the gospel to their story. I think that's really the heart behind what we're trying to suggest is spend a lot of your time and energy asking questions and learning the person and then God, through his Holy Spirit, will just speak very clearly to you about what direction you can take to help that person move closer to Jesus. Well, indeed, a fascinating conversation. I'm so thankful 
that you men wrote this book because and it's interesting. We've seen kind of a, a couple of new books in around this space. There's Eugene Cho and others have edited a book on evangelizing uh, immigrants. And, you know, these are things that are particular topics and spaces, healthcare settings, refugees, immigrants, where it's complex, but it's also necessary for us to think through how we might best show and share the love of Jesus. So thanks to my guests, David Rogers and Jim Schultz. Uh, let me thank them. Also want to thank the team behind the scenes here at Moody Radio. My producer, Karen Hendren, my engineer, Courtney Young, and Clara Seagard, man in the phones. And by the way, great callers today. Thanks so much for your calls as well. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or on the Moody Radio app. And also, we're on all the social media. If you want to follow us there, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all just at Ed. Stetzer Live. And let me remind you that Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. This and every week, we're going to be coming to you, having important conversations about the moment, the mission, the culture we're in, and the call that Christ has given us. So again, remember, set your calendar, subscribe to the podcast some more, and we'll look forward to talking to you again this time next week. 